and welcome to a brand new Coronation Overreaction, this time the Maryland edition. I'm your host, Greg Mahochko. That is my good friend and broadcast buddy, Haas Reuter. And we were a little sad. We were a little taken aback, um, disappointed, Haas, in, in the events that occurred this past Saturday. Uh, Military Appreciation Day, everything was right. Nebraska, uh, I mean, the, the final score, 13-10, as Maryland walks it off on a on a field goal as time expires. It's an, uh, I'll tell you this, Husker quarterbacks went three for three. Three quarterbacks got in, three quarterbacks threw interceptions. It was not the statistic you wanted to see. It was not the outcome we hoped or anticipated. Um, we have to rethink, and by we, I mostly mean me, rethink the – I'm trying to figure out how to – because I get that they're kids and I'm almost twice their age. Um, not I don't say necessarily talent, maybe – like, I don't know. I Talent, competency, um, it's just decision-making. It's all right there, and it's all – I don't know. Hi, welcome to the show. <laughs> Um, I was thinking when you opened it up, I was thinking about just trying to sum it up. And the only thing that came to mind was Al Pacino in any given Sunday when he starts his great speech where he just goes, I don't know what to say, really. That's my Al Pacino impersonation. That's not bad. Can you give me give me a ooh ah. Ooh ah. <laughs> Mr. Sims doesn't want it. Uh sent of a woman in the mall favorite movies. So nicely done, Greg. Um, but no, like I have long said that Nebraska football is the Chicago Cubs of college football. Oh man. And so with that being said, just like the Cubs, the laws of the universe cease to exist when it comes to Husker <laughs> football. Murphy's law, anything that can happen will happen. That might be the only one that exists and not in a good way, because at some point you think, Oh, something good will happen at some point. And it doesn't. You know, you got, you know, three quarterbacks complete the trifecta. You know, I mean, that's some sort of unholy triumvirate right there. And then on top of that, um, you know, it's just more gut-wrenching losses right at the final buzzer. Um, And there's a laundry list of things to go into these losses. Um, You know, offensively. Quarterback play is the number one issue, um, especially when you look at it from the standpoint that the offensive line's getting better. Emmett Johnson's emerging at running back. The young receivers are a work in progress, but they are getting better. Um, we'll get to the last play, you know, the interception, you know, and how those receivers, what happened there. Uh, we'll spend some time on that. But really, that quarterback position is just a confluence of factors, like what Rule was saying earlier today in his press conference. You're talking about, you know, you got some issues with, you know, a, a guy's got, you know, a case of the yips, even though we don't say the Y word, according to Greg. You got another guy who, you know, he really didn't get much training or training. He didn't really get much development and instruction under previous staffs. I mean, I think that the story is starting to make the rounds now. That uh, Whipple told Harburg to not even show up to quarterback meetings last year. Also, you know, he was not on the travel roster to Iowa City last year. 
when we upset Iowa on Black Friday. I mean, like mm-hmm. the guy that for the first time in his career, he's actually getting coached. And while he just so happens to be getting coached by an offensive coordinator who's not a quarterback's coach by trade, he's a tight ends coach. And, you know, I think it goes back to when Rule got hired. It wasn't by it wasn't initially the design for Satterfield to be the QB's coach. He was going to be OC tight ends coach. And we were trying to get Jake Peets from the Los Angeles Rams staff, um, guy who played for Callahan at Nebraska, guy who coached quarterbacks for Rural Carolina in 2020. And at the last second, Pete's decided to stay in L.A., you know, or, or so the story goes. Um, but I think that is one of the issues that we're looking at. You know, we're I, do, I think Satterfield is coaching his ass off with his with play calling and scheming up runs and scheming guys open in the passing game. But I think like that there might be a little bit of an issue with the coaching of the quarterback. So even though rules, I know rule said that nobody's going to get fired, you know, in the off season, I'm glad that he said that because I think Satterfield's going to have a really freaking good offense in year two. Um, but I do think that you'll see us add a, ty- or a quarterbacks coach, like a full-time quarterbacks coach and just leave sat to uh, be the offensive coordinator at that point. I don't think anybody would be opposed to that. Um, I want to circle back to something you mentioned uh, there a moment ago of the amount of faith and trust that this coaching staff put in Heinrich Harburg when he was I, – was it the Minnesota game or the Colorado game? He was lining up as a tight end. Uh, Minnesota, you know, yeah. I mean, early on there, he was – it was not looking like he would be – utilized as a quarterback at Nebraska and then Jeff Sims gets hurt uh there in the in the tail end of the Colorado game and so you have to uh rely on the on the big you know home homegrown kid from uh Carney but it's to what you said this might the for Whipple had no confidence in him and gave him no time this coaching staff believed in him, him enough that even when Jeff Sims was clear to play. It was still Heinrich Harburg's team, you know? And again, if Northern Illinois or Louisiana tech are those, if those game positions on the schedule are switched or flipped with the Colorado and the Minnesota, maybe Jeff Sims finds a routine early and doesn't get hurt. And maybe, we can what if to death. We've what if Nebraska football to death as it is. But-, but you bring up a really good point. I think with Jeff Sims, it's it's a totally it's a psychological case study at this point. You know, and even though he led the country in turnovers when he's at Georgia Tech, he played at a higher level than what he's shown at Nebraska. It wasn't you know total meltdown. You know when he was at Georgia Tech, so he's just got a case of the yips and. All things being equal, and like I was talking to you before we started recording, you know, I watched a game with some friends over the weekend. A lot of people are in favor of Heinrich Harburg, and I was one of the lone dissenters in the room. I think there was one other person who was more like when we switched to Jeff Sims, thought that Sims was better than Harburg, not necessarily in his performance, but just overall ability. And it's one of those things where it's like Sims gives you more in the passing game. And so 
as a quarterback, like you're natural when you're looking at the quarterback position and evaluating the quarterback position, you're naturally going to gravitate to what who gives you more in the passing game. Harbor gives you more in the running game. And I think the team has overall more confidence in Harburg than it does Sims. And I think Harburg kind of plays with more confidence than Sims is right now. So it's just a really messy situation with the quarterbacks. I mean, I've never seen this before in college football for a team just to be this defunct at the quarterback position. And I, you know, it's a case where I think Purdy at this point was grew in his confidence on that last drive, you know, 95 yards before the interception. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see where we're at moving forward these next two weeks. Um, I think that in terms of play calling, I think that Purdy gives you a little bit more of the ability to hit some uh, quick game in the passing game, you know, slants, flats, hitches, you know, just stuff based on pre-snap alignment where the defense, you know, isn't covering somebody very tightly, you know, you just take the snap, turn, throw. So maybe that adds a dimension to the offense that we've been missing this year. I want to, I don't want to, I want to discuss, not argue. Um, I think that Sims, despite the fact that, uh, yes, he did have two interceptions compared to Harburg's one, he also had more opportunities. Uh, let's let's face it, uh, Heinrich finished the game in, in limited time before the ankle or foot sprain, uh, one for five, uh, zero yards. He was sacked, and he had the interception. Sims came in, not great by any measure, but eight of 13 uh, for 62 yards, uh, two picks. But a little more zip on the ball with Jeff Sims. I, I'll say this, I because I know you said that maybe you felt that uh, Heinrich gave a bit more of an advantage in the uh, running game. I know where but, you're going, and I, I actually agree with you in the context of this game. I I felt two different runners. I feel I Heinrich. He's he's the kid who's going to lower the shoulder. Uh, you know. More often than not, we've seen that this season. I, I think he's only slid once, maybe twice. He's going to lower the shoulder uh, and see what kind of uh, pain and devastation that he can bring upon a, a defender. I think Sims has better straight line speed, um, yeah. and so I it, it's very six of one half does it. I I, I understand who sucks less. In other words, I I understand why Rule and Satterfield have gone with Harburg as long as they did because I I bet in practice it was 1A and 1B. I mean it they are while they're built different they are very similar. And 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 again to your point it's who's going to who who's going to perform better in practice and and to use your words who's going to suck less on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those situations where it's kind of, you know, the lesser of two evils, I suppose. You know, who mitigates the mistakes? You know, who minimizes the mistakes and gives you the opportunity to at least play as close to mistake-free football as we can, which is makes the turnovers all the more frustrating because the, turn, or the penalties have largely been oh. addressed. You know, we've had two penalties the past two games. Yep. But – you know, these turnovers, I mean, we're just melting down like a bad nuclear reactor. I mean, it's, you know, just unprecedented to be turning the football over this much. And so 
at this point with the quarterback position, you got to look at the small things on, you know, do they do things well procedurally, get you in and out of the huddle without getting a delay of game penalty? We had issues with that on um, Saturday that cost us, I, I think cost us late in the game because we didn't have any timeouts really to use. I mean, I, for the first time this year, I felt like rule got out coached, you know, like I'm not going to put, talk about Michigan. I'm not going to talk about Colorado either because those are two outliers, but for the first time, I felt like he really got out coached in terms of the overall game management. I felt like if we, I felt like we should have settled for field goals more on fourth down. I know that the wind was swirling, but you know, Mm -hmm. we've seen kickers before, you know, make field goals in a swirling wind, you know, and Tristan Alvano against Purdue 55 yards in that wind on a much windier straight line day in Lincoln. And then on top of that, I mean, it's fairly obvious, and I don't really want to, you know, talk about this soon, but, you know, maybe you run the ball on that third down from the five with 341 left, and you protect the three points that you pretty much have in hand at that point. Right. So I really feel like, in a sense, we didn't play great complimentary football on Saturday. Um, defense did everything that it could, once again, to go and win that game for us. And yet I, I was sitting there feeling like we weren't playing all that great again, because of the fact that we're starting to stay a little bit more conservative in our defensive play calling, trying to keep things in front of us. Mm-hmm. But then you look at it, you know, Maryland's scoreless on God, how many straight possessions, you know, it, it was, you know, a great performance. So I don't know, like it, college football is a weird game, but we really, again, had every opportunity to be up 28, nothing before halftime in that game. If we had a semblance of an offense, a normal offense, I'm not even talking about a high-powered one, but if you gave us even like Northwestern or Illinois offense, mm-hmm. we're putting teams away. If you, I, I mean, it's just it is absurd in today's college football with the rule changes for time now. Clock doesn't stop on first down outside of two minutes. It is absurd that when you maybe get ten possessions in a game that you're looking at giving away half of those possessions. Right. You know, it's like, and fuck man, like we probably win just if those half, those five turnovers are just, uh, ends and those end in punts. The way our defense plays. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm super down on the team because I'm not like, I still think that this team has a, better you know a good chance to go up to madison and win for the first time you know especially when you look at how poor wisconsin's playing but at the same time man like it is discouraging to see mistake after mistake and it just becomes endemic to the program uh it's like a virus within the program and you know bill bush on big red wrap up the other night or last week after the Michigan state game, he talked about how, you know, turnovers can really become tricky and become pervasive to the entire team. And you can coach ball security. You can drill that stuff over and over and over again, but these things kind of take on a life of their own after a while. I suppose let's get to it. The third play or the third call play third let me try that again. I suppose we should get to it. The third down play call. 
there towards the end. Yeah. Chubba Purdy moved the ball well. He I mean, re- really. Uh, Emmett Johnson showed some of the best burst as a running back that we've seen in a long fucking time. Sorry for the family listeners out there. I, I, you, if you protect the lead and you kick a field goal, you're in a better spot. Obviously, you know, points, points are always better. What do you think it was arrogance? I mean, like what you're not in, in the coach's room. You're not in the, in the locker room. You're not on the sideline. What, it wasn't Pete Carroll in the Super Bowl arrogant. I know that much, but I don't know. I just don't know. Either way, if you run to the, I believe the, 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 the long side of the field, you know, the near side of the field. Anyway, you're setting yourself up to have a very short field goal with the ball relatively centered. If you get stopped, if you put it in the end zone. You're almost assured of victory. I, I just don't know why you throw to the short side of the field there. Well, the way I see it, because I just got done talking about protecting a lead, so I'm just going to delve into the play. And from <laughs> a play calling standpoint, if you're going to throw there, that is an excellent play call. You know, it's a seven, you know, corner routes, the seven route on the route tree, seven. Double under. So the inside receiver, Billy Kemp, he's running the seven route. You got Malachi Coleman, I believe. Jalen Lloyd, maybe. I, I don't know who uh, the number two receiver was. I can't remember right off the top of my head. They're running a couple of double in routes underneath that. So um, Rule talked about it in his press conference, too, where if that is man-to-man, you're throwing that corner route, and it's away from the post safety. So you're you're it's either an incompletion or it's a completion. Like there's mm-hmm. not really a chance to get that picked off. But they kind of were in a little bit of a coverage shell, and they were in more of a quarters coverage than a man. It looked like man, but it morphed into quarters after the snap. So underneath, you got you know physical corner on Malachi Coleman as the number one receiver in the alignment, and he's trying to run that in route. And he gets jammed at the line of scrimmage, and then he never recovers and gets across the defender's face. And that's where the ball had to go against kind of a matchup Mm -hmm. quarter zone. And so it's kind of more of a case of (coughs) youth and inexperience at the receiver position than it is anything with Chubba Purdy or, you know, it being such a trap play call of a play calling issue. Like, I like the idea. If you are going to throw there, that is the right idea. What's absurd about it is a three-man concept like that to the boundary, short side of the field, results in an interception on a similar concept as Jeff Sims's interception in the red zone against Minnesota. Against Minnesota, it was a snag concept. So you got the corner, you got a flat route, and then you got a snag underneath just kind of a slant and then a sit down, you know? And so what ends up happening there is he forces the corner out when the snag is wide open. And then on this one, we kind of force, you know, out of necessity because of how coverage changed, kind of force the in route when the corner, you know, was a little bit Mm -hmm. more open. 
So um, it's just, you know, I don't really care for the three-man concept right there to the short side of the field. I think you need to have a little bit more space. I think um, all things being equal, the way the tenor of that game had gone, I would have just centered the ball in the field and kicked the field goal. You know, I think I, I th- I'm – and you know me well enough, Greg. I'm not the big world's biggest armchair offensive coordinator. You know, I don't sit here going – what if you know I'll, <laughs> right. I'll analyze it i'll sit in an armchair and analyze it but i don't sit there going well they should have done this instead. you know most times i usually defend ocs you know true um, unless your name's mark whipple i was gonna say especially if your name is mark whipple <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um but yeah um some of the play calling in other situations i thought was maybe a little bit cause for revisiting um, some of those fourth down and short play calls. I didn't care for necessarily again, not, not based on the concept, more just the overall area of the field that we're on trying to run into the boundary, that short side on some of those RPOs with the H back sliding underneath either in motion or just on a flat route. Um, Those require space and running them into a condensed area. I mean, it sounds cliche. It sounds like Lee Corso on NCAA football 2005, but you know, that sidelines, a 12th defender, you know, it kind of shortens things <laughs> up. Uh, but at the same time, we were getting some good push in the run game. So it makes sense why we were kind of basing those situational play calls off of one of our best run plays that we had in that game. You know, we were running duo, just getting double teams on the defensive tackles on the line of scrimmage. And we were getting some good displacement. I mean, the offensive line has actually been playing decent the past few games. Especially considering the the patchwork nature of it. Uh, I want to talk about the rushing game. Take away the yards that were – I mean, Nebraska ran for 183 yards uh, on on Saturday. Uh, I just think we would have ran the damn ball, 188 yards. Right, And, and a touchdown. Uh, average 4.6 yards per carry. Um, I that's you know I that's I can tip my hat to that. That's a that's a solid effort. Uh, Emma Johnson 87. I'm sorry 84. I always forget to. I always look at the gain, not the net. 84 yards. Uh, oddly enough, Sims and Birdie both had 33. Nate Borkerger with 11. Uh, Josh Fleet on the fake. Punt, which we haven't really even talked about that. No, uh, that that's a, I say a ballsy call, right there. You know, because <laughs> first possession, I think yeah, that's what it was. Um, and you're in your own territory. You, if that goes sideways, you're setting a very different tone. Um, but it was really, really perfectly executed, and I always find uh, that those. Can can go very poorly very quickly, um, but I like but, I like the fake punt call. You know, you steal a possession there. You know, so the phrase that the uh, announcers like to use at that time is uh, uh, stealing possessions. Um, but uh, then you have uh, you know who also like to steal possessions? Oh God, Scott Frost, Dublin, Ireland, <sighs> August twenty twenty two. Onside kicks. But he was stealing them from Nebraska. He stole a lot of money, too. Oh! Not as much as Jimbo Fisher. (laughs) What? So not as much as Jimbo Fisher. Oh, Jimbo. Okay. 
real quick as an aside, that 2017 coaching carousel class, I'm pretty sure everyone's pretty much been fired. Scott Frost, fired. Herm Edwards, fired. Dan Mullen, fired. Jimbo Fisher, fired. Um, Willie Taggart left for Florida State that year, fired already. Um, fired very friends. quickly, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, he was fired by 29. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, he got two years, he's two years now. But like, I remember thinking that year, like, holy shit, like, this is gonna shake up college football, you know, everybody, like, we get you have teams that are all of a sudden better, you know, all this stuff. Nebraska AM for a national championship, you know, at some point. Um, no, like, not so fast, my friend. Everybody <laughs> got fired. Was Every, everybody's doing well financially, yeah. Oh, I I, here's the thing. Mil. This the the Jimbo Fisher situation makes me glad that Scott Frost underperformed to the extent that he did because if he would have got a a lofty uh, extension, you know, three years in or something like that, and and his, I mean, if he would have had like a a nine win season. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then before he fell off the cliff, yeah. we, then Nebraska we, could have been very well been in a similar situation. Yeah, our, our futures would have been mortgaged as a program. Yeah, so again. Um, I uh, do want to say I really liked a wrinkle that Satterfield had on the touch, uh, Janeer and Bonner touchdown run, a little wing T action there. Well, no Tell us about it. jet sweep. I liked it. That was a nice way to get the fullback involved in the running game, a little non-traditional sense. And that's something that I actually have been saying for the past three weeks now that we need to incorporate more. Like I've gone full run the damn ball fullback guy, you know. Um, the heel turn is complete uh, from 2016 to now. Uh, RTFB, no, like, run the damn fullback. <laughs> against Purdue, like we were trying to run the clock out and we were just, you know, stumbling and bumbling around the field and fumbling. Um, I kept saying to my brother-in-law, I was watching the game with him, I'm like, just get in the eye and run some, you know, traditional tailback run, handoff run game. You know, if, you, if you're insistent on running belly option, run the belly trap off of it, you know, just get it involved with those quick hitters just to soften up the belly of the defense. And then again against Michigan State, there were a few opportunities the way that Michigan State was aligned kind of in a – Outlaw alignment with two three techniques lined up over the guards. So there's two A gap bubbles there on either side of the center. And then again, against uh, Maryland, we just need to generate something, you know, with how anemic our offense was. And I really like that idea there at the goal line where space is compressed to kind of go with a non traditional play call. So I think that's something that we should probably look for. And it sounds antithetical to kind of what most people want to see from our offense, but I think these last two games we should probably start looking for plays that kind of get defenses moving one way and then coming back the other. So, you know, plays like that, you know, or, you know, that little no motion jet sweep to Bonner, uh, the end around we've been doing to Jalen Lloyd, which is going to pop eventually. I mean, that thing is close every time. One more block and it's gone. And then you're looking at, you know, I think what you'll also see is some bootlegs, um, maybe some sprint out passes. And then 
honestly, probably a throwback screen. You know, fake the run one way or fake the option one way, come back the other on a delayed screen to the backside tight end. We're going to have to do something to kind of keep things safe, you know, still have that element of the passing game, but a little bit more controlled and safe. But I say that now and then watch, we'll run like a throwback screen to the tight end against Wisconsin and it'll bounce off an offensive lineman's helmet straight up into the air. And, you know, somebody will come down, pick it off and run it back for six. Can you tell that I'm a tortured soul Husker fan, Greg? Yep. Yep. Is it safe to say that your cup of, uh, your cup of Kool-Aid has have has uh, runneth out. I'm still uh, not the Kool-Aid. No, you, hasn't you, run out. you still like, believe. I, I'm, I'm you still believe. And I'm still I'm a hundred percent dug in, believing in this staff. I mm-hmm. love it. This is a damn good staff. You you just more pragmatic and, just, and realist rather than I just optimistic. feel like a pinata right now as a Husker <laughs> fan. Like we we've just gotten the shit beat out of us. You know, it's like at some point. We need something to go well, which I want to bring that up. You know, this is a natural segue. Did you answer the door for – just bear with me here. Did you answer okay. the door for trick-or-treaters the night of Halloween? No, I took my oldest uh, trick-or-treating. Okay, so your wife stayed and answered the door? No, we didn't have the light on. Okay, okay. So you're just going to have to bear with me. Okay, <laughs> I'm, a, right. I'm a bad person. <laughs> All right, just bear with me. We're gonna, this is going to be hypothetical then. All right. You're sitting there. Let's say your wife took your oldest trick-or-treating. And you're sitting there at home, okay. maybe watching, you know, Tuesday night Maction that night. And the doorbell rings. And it's the ghost of Husker football yet to come. Oh, crap. And you're like, <laughs> what do you want? You going to say trick-or-treat? You know, what's going on here? And they just, you know... They, they just communicate to you somehow that we will finish seven and five by November 30th. We will be seven and five, but you had to choose how you get to seven and five. Do you beat Michigan state and Maryland and you're seven and three with two to go and you drop to Wisconsin and Iowa, or do you go five and five and then you beat Wisconsin and then you beat Iowa and they say, you get to choose Greg, which do you take? I uh, I know which one I take. I know exactly which one to take. I just don't know. I feel better about beating Wisconsin and Iowa because I'm then I'm carrying mighty momentum into the bowl season. Uh, and, and we finally and, get to talk shit to Wisconsin fans. Well, not only that, but those are also division games. Yep. So that might put us in prime spot for – well, you know, the, you know, the conference crazy, championship. Crazy thing is, we're still right in the thick of this thing. Are, are you even following? I can't remember who uh, creates it, but but it's like seven it's way like, tie. Yeah. <laughs> God. Oh my God. I'm pretty sure that that's that not a whole lot has changed on that either. No, it's like Iowa's five and two. We're three and four. Wisconsin's three and four. Northwestern's three and four. It's like it. It's an utter catastrophe, but. Like we are in the we control our own destiny. If we win the next two, Ohio State has to beat Minnesota on Saturday. Yeah, it'll happen. Illinois has to beat Iowa. Illinois switched quarterbacks. They had to. They had to, and he dude threw for what five hundred yards? Five hundred yards. They they won in overtime. Yeah, I mean, like against Indiana. I mean, for for fuck's sake, like I like you know, like Illinois. Please, like. 
Brett Bielema, I will never utter a bad word about you ever again if you beat Iowa. I will. And you will too. I'll rename it. it. (laughs) Next year, I'll be like, hey, Bert, thanks for your last year, but fuck off, pal. (laughs) Go get blocked by you again. Oh, killing me. You know, he's from Prophetstown, Illinois. That means nothing to me. No, Prophet's Town's I'm a, I'm a You're a Southern Illinois guy. I'm going to see exactly how far it is from my house. You want to go light a bag of dog crap on fire? Yeah, I'm going to do it at, at the house he no longer lives at in Prophet's Town. No. I might do it at Town Square. <laughs> this is for Bert. No. Uh, computer's taking too long. We're going to abandon those plans. of Yeah, because uh, you totally froze. I could hear the audio, but you, you were just. That's fine. Uh, again. That's me. I sw- I'm sorry. I, I thought trying. it was maybe just my crappy internet. No, no. It's a, it's a joint effort around here. We do things. We win team as a team. Work. We lose as a team. team. We cry as a team. Yes, <laughs> yes we do. Um, but, you know, it. it if we were to go seven and five, but it was beating Wisconsin and Iowa to get to seven and five, I don't think there's a Husker fan who wouldn't take that. Satisfying, yeah. I mean, like we beat Wisconsin this Saturday. I'm not shitting you, Greg. I got a friend's giving to go to Sunday morning. I may not go to bed Saturday night. I, I mean, like I might be drinking Coors Banquets and howling at the moon at three thirty in the morning because we have. Uh, I've said this probably in every podcast we've ever done. We have not beat Wisconsin since the iPhone 4 was brand new. We have to make it stop. I, you know what? No, th- this is, you got to stop. You got to stop making these references to, to, of sadness because there's, it's we called, haven't. It's called perspective. And you know what? You know what? For too long, people were content to keep Scott Frost in place when they need a little bit of perspective to see how far things had fallen. It's it's we haven't beat Wisconsin since the iPhone four was was new, or we haven't been to a bowl game since the Obama administration. It, at some point, haven't won a conference championship since I was in third grade. Hey, haven't won a national championship since the Clinton years. Hey, I'm a social studies guy, Greg. <laughs> but it just hurts. Well, you know what? Sometimes the truth does hurt because it can, and it should inspire you to make changes. Does it set you free? Also, it should. Okay. <laughs> no, we need to find a way to get it done on Saturday. And you're looking at a Wisconsin team that looks like they are in the life cycle of where we were after we fired Solich. It sounds like there are some serious problems within the program. You know. There's still guys on the team that wanted Jim Leonard to be the head coach. Mm-hmm. You know, there's guys that aren't buying into what Fickle's doing. Tanner Mordecai still has a hand injury. Braylon Allen played all of three snaps last year, or had three carries last week. And they got absolutely mollywopped by a team that everybody picked to finish last in the division. Northwestern. Northwestern. And Northwestern's actually playing some pretty good ball, you know. Um, if we had Ben Bryant at quarterback, we'd probably be eight and two. So dangerous. Um, yeah. No, let, let's, but, let's talk about real quick. I don't want to, I don't want 
let's let's get fans uh, of the show up to speed on Wisconsin. Wisconsin opened the season with a 38-17 win against Buffalo. You think, oh, a, a Wisconsin team of old would have probably doubled that score. Uh, they lost to Washington Washington State 31-22. They beat Georgia Southern 35-14. Uh, opened up uh, conference play against Purdue, won that one 38-17. Probably, honestly, their best uh, conference game. They beat Rutgers the following week, October 7, 24-13. Then uh, a loss to Iowa, 15-6. Uh, thank you, Brian Ferentz. Uh, they beat Illinois, 25-21. Lost to Ohio State. Lost to Indiana. Lost to Northwestern. This is not like, look, you want to talk about getting them, you know, if, if, if this is me being my usual negative self, uh, but if you want to get a win against Wisconsin at Camp Randall, you got to do it this this year because they, like Nebraska, will get better. And just, yeah, I was about to say, just like, you know, it's if you want to get Nebraska, you better get us now, you know, yeah. and I think we already might be past that time to get us, even though we keep stepping on our own dicks. That is the, the I think, language. I think uh, that's the most frustrating part is that when you look at Michigan State and you look at uh, I'm Maryland. Gonna, hmm? Maryland. Maryland, I'm even say Minnesota. We didn't lose as much as we beat ourselves. Oh yeah, maybe that, maybe maybe that's not giving the opponents enough credit or or, or you know, but those games are hundred percent winnable. Colorado again, the defense did all that they could until they they just this could ran out of gas. But, and it, I'm not worried about Michigan again. Michigan's the outlier. Yeah, so, exactly. Michigan's the outlier, and Michigan, Ohio State, they're going to continue to be the outliers until we rise up and do something about it. Right. But, Here's the thing that not to put the cart too far before the horse, but you know, we were talking about the, you know, teams had better get us now because it might be a while before they're able to again. Well, we're already showing we're ahead, we're ahead of schedule, in my opinion, in the Matt Rule era. The fact that he has out five wins with this roster, if we finished five and seven, I still think that like I and I say it's a little bit you know tongue in cheek, just but it's still drives home the point of how good he's been. If we finished five and seven, I still think he should be up for coach of the year awards. If we go seven and five, I think he will be. But like the whole thing about it is all these injuries, and yet we're still finding ways to be competitive and win games, you know, yeah. even though the past two weeks haven't gone the way we wanted them to. But next year, let's think about how you'll have, you know, we address the quarterback situation. Over the offseason, you'll have Gabe Urban back. You'll have Ramir Johnson back. You'll have Marcus Washington back. You'll have an offensive line that has another year of experience. You'll have a defenders with year two in Tony White's scheme. And you'll mm -hmm. upgrade at some positions too. So there's a chance that the time for other teams to get us will be over. And there's a chance, like looking at the next year's schedule, you could think about starting 7 and 0 heading into Ohio State on October 26th. Yeah, I mean it's I'm serious. I'm like and the, the other thing, you talk about, you know, the laws of the universe don't apply to Husker football. But at some point <laughs> there has to be a regression to the mean 
and things go the other way in Good. terms of the just the sheer dumb luck, the turnovers, all that stuff. And so, like, the, I think that next year sets up really nicely for us to have a good non-conference schedule where people can get on solid footing, develop, get some confidence before we hit conference play. Um, but, yeah, back to this week, Wisconsin. If there's ever a time to get them, it's this week. Like, get it done. I mean, last year we should have got it done if Mark Whipple doesn't throw three straight times with about 90 seconds left. Yeah, I I think what we I'm could really like, be seeing if the mm-hmm. FBI was listening to the show, they'd probably be like, "Do we need to warn Mark Whipple that there's somebody out there that has a big problem with him?" We don't. Um, honestly, what I see is, and this is not the best comparison, but if you go back to 2015, 2016, um, Mike Riley's first year, the I think it was week two, Nebraska loses by um. A Hail Mary from BYU. I think it was the second week. Might have been first no, week. No, first. Thank you. Um, but, like, and that was the, that became, and I'm not saying that it was an excuse or anything like that, but that was the, the kind of way the season went. A lot, you know, oh, if just one thing went this, you know, different, then we could have, you know, turned some of those losses into wins. And I'm not, this is not starting the whole like one score loss you know, yep. diatribe again. But in 2016, a lot of those, you know, funny bouncing balls went that way. So, so what we're, I mean, and that happened in a year. I'm not, but that was, that was not uh, program wide. That was season to season. What we're seeing, and I think what you're trying to convey, or maybe you did, and maybe I'm mudding the waters. It's what I do. Um, but I think what we're seeing is we are going to start. You know, the, the tides will turn, uh, the luck will shift, however you want to say it. We are, I don't disagree that we're ahead of schedule because we have outperformed any, you know, college team, the first year college team uh, under Matt Rule's, or any college team under Matt Rule's first year. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, that, that had, I think, one and two losses. And everybody said, oh, after after we lost to Minnesota, after we lost to Colorado, oh, this is, you know, this is going to be the same old Matt rule, and we're going to have one or two wins, and that's going to be it. And and we're sitting five and five. Now, I'm pretty happy at five and five in Matt Rule's first year. Um, I'd like you, I'd like seven and five. I'd like, I'd, I'd settle for six and six. Yeah, I would <laughs> you know? too. I would too. Um, but but I like I like a bowl game. I like a um, and I'm not gonna be greedy. I don't necessarily need the bowl game to be a win. I just want another two weeks of practice for these guys. Um, maybe the opportunity to get healthy and the opportunity to continue to um, figure things out in this system. I mean, look, we're right on pace. This is gonna stop. I'm not trying to compare Matt Rule to Mike Riley. Please, if you're listening to this, don't draw these assumptions but we're five and five now mike riley's first year we were six and seven uh we were three and five in the big 10 we're three and four right now so you had the opportunity to uh, at least do as well uh we're better than we were under scott frost in his first year um we're really about as good as we were in bill callahan's first year the only uh first year head coach that had a better better record this century was Bo Pelini, but 
That was 2008, and that was largely on the backs of Bill Callahan's recruits when we went 9-4 and four that year. Frank Solich went 9-4, and four, again, coming off of a, a national championship. You would expect. You wouldn't expect a big drop-off to have a, a sub-500 team. So there is a lot going Nebraska's way. Yep, ton. But, but we have – we as a fan base have, I feel, uh, ran out of patience. Because we've been waiting for 20 years. Yeah. yeah th- that's the thing. Like, if anyone were to be like, oh, same old shit, different day, you know, Bob from Brainerd, you know, same old shit, different day. It's like, well, it's not the staff's fault. It's just, it's our, it's our fault as a fan base, you know, the lack of patience because like we've seen it all before, you know, but no, there's tangible growth. I mean, how many times do you see a coordinator step in in his first year at Nebraska? and put together a elite unit like Tony, Tony White. Yeah. I mean, like it doesn't happen. No. It hardly has ever happened here. And, and so, and I just, can I, can we go on that real quick? Because I want to, uh, let's see here. So again, somewhere on, on the uh, stats people, they have Ben Scott, they're two sixty sixes on the squad. And they have Ben Scott as uh, recording a, a tackle. I don't think he did. Um, oh, maybe he did. We had we. Had, I got an interception. Uh, Anthony Grant had a tackle, so anything's possible. Uh, <laughs> but um, Javin Wright, uh, Omar Brown, uh, Nash Hutmaker, Makai Gabayer, Gabayer, Jamari Butler. Bear. These these are all guys who are making an impact who we did not hear from last year. No. Exactly. Um, I, I, Mikhail Gaber or Bear. Thank you. I had basically just wrote him off last year. I, I just figured I was like, oh, he's never going to do anything here. You know, boom. Um, but, and he was, I, I believe not, he was. John, a, they uh, turned John Bullock into one hell of a football player. Yeah. Like John Bullock is a damn good football player. And as, and here's the thing as much as, as good as Luke Gifford was, there's a chance Isaac Gifford's better. Mm hmm. Uh, and then you have Ty Robinson. reminds me of one of those safeties you would have seen at Iowa that would terrorize us. Oh, well, hopefully in a couple of weeks he can terrorize them. Yeah. Um, we, we, <laughs> we knew about Marquise Buford Jr. We're happy he's back out there. Uh, a little look, rusty, but to be expected. I'll tell you, he had five tackles. He had a sack. Uh, he had a beautiful sack. He had that one uh, safety blitz <laughs> that, that just lit up. Yeah, uh, the Cowboy blitz, uh, yeah. And he had uh, uh, between that and another tackle for loss. I mean, he 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 had himself a nice stat line. Nick Hen- Henrich, uh, uh, Luke Reimer. These are some of the names. Malcolm Hartzog came on last year. I mean, these are some of the guys who uh, were names. But at the top of the stat sheet from the Maryland game is Javin Wright, uh, who also had an interception and a forced fumble. Tony White is squeezing every bit of talent and effort that he can out of this defensive unit. And and then you got guys like James Williams emerging. Cameron mm-hmm. Lenhart is a freshman. Cameron Lenhart who didn't uh make the stat sheet, but that's not to say he wasn't disruptive. That's not to say he wasn't putting pressure on um or drawing you know blocking schemes and linemen to his side. Um and then uh, uh oh uh, P. Will, Prince Will, you know, who yeah, didn't play, but. No, he was out there. Oh, he he was. Yep. 
I missed him. Sorry. Sorry, people. I know you're listening slash watching to this. But Tony White is extracting every bit uh, that he can and out of this. And that's why I'm so excited for the future because I feel like if you see, you know, recruits or portal guys are going to see what Tony White has done with this defense. And we could bring in the type of talent like the next Levante David, you know, who, by the way, is quietly having an NFL Hall of Fame career. Sorry, I got distracted there for a split second. Will you repeat that last part? I'm an asshole. I know, Greg. <laughs> I said, I said, look, the, the- I, I followed all the way up until you, when you said Levante David, I was like, who, what's the comparison? I, I'm just saying you could bring in talent that could be the next Levante David, who I said, who's quietly having himself like an NFL Hall of Fame career. Exactly. You know, and guys like Levante who just need that development from good being in a good scheme, you know, being on a defensive minded football team. um, I think it's going to be interesting to see when Tony white has elite talent to work with because he's already squeezed blood out of a rock right now. Whoa. Are you saying that Phelan Sanford is not elite? No, I mean, he, he, they turned him into a damn good football player, but they did. They did. And again, that's – I have a feeling – look, if I were 20-ish plus years younger and had two good knees and a decent back, this defensive unit or this defensive coaching staff could make this lump of garbage somewhat usable even as like a tackling dummy. So, so if they like, could do that with we me. We got Greg, the best tackling dummy in America. <laughs> Tackling few. Tackling few. Um, and so if they can do that with me, imagine what they would could do with a four-star kid or a five-heart kid. There you go. Plug the other <laughs> show. Uh, who who has uh more than a speck of athletic ability, who's I mean, I'm I'm six foot nothing in two hundred and something. Uh, but all, like Rudy, I also have not a speck of athletic ability. It's okay. So, it's okay. Um so anything's possible. Again, the the off season, I think priority as much as recruiting is lock up Tony White, put him in some contract that you know he cannot I don't know, get out of. Right? Maybe maybe he's coaching for his next uh, uh, gig or, or next contract. You know, something like that. Maybe maybe we're gonna pull a, a Jimbo Fisher and open up the, the or back up the money truck and and uh, I don't know. But whatever whatever he's doing. He needs to keep doing it. He needs to stay hungry. I'm not worried about that. I uh, as we as we wrap up here, I I had a meeting today with a client of mine who's a young kid, uh, upper 20s, played some college baseball at a, at a smaller divisional school. And I said, man, I said you might have a better. I said, I'm just curious about this. I, I told him I'm a Husker fan, and uh, I said, look, we had this home game this past week. It didn't go our way. Sometimes they don't. More recently than not. Uh, I said, well, you know, we had a lot of recruits there. I said, if you're a recruit, if you're an 18-year-old kid on the sideline watching that, do you want to – do you care about wins? Or do you want to, like, go where, like, oh, man, I could I could make an impact right now. I could I could certainly get a lot of playing time starting next year. And he says – he's like, I think that there are a lot of a lot of 
kids who would be like, yeah, I want, I want to play right away. He said, but mostly they just want to go to win. (laughs) And that's the thing. We got to win first, you know? So win first and it starts this Saturday. Well, let's talk about that real quick. I was going to show off my trophy. Um, I'm in fact, I'm going to show off my trophy. Do it, man. We celebrate wins on this show. I don't know how well that could be visible. Best dad ever. So, you know, that's, you know, that's number one. That's an amazing accomplishment, Greg, because he got probably what about 2 billion other people in competition with him. Hey, hey, if you're like hats off, man, like salute you, you (laughs) are the best out of 2 billion. If you are a dad watching this and you say, wait a minute, I thought I was the best. Well, Maybe you are to your children, but just like I'm my parents' favorite son, I'm also my kid's favorite dad. So by process of (laughs) elimination. Anyway, uh, Wisconsin. So we have quite a quarterback ordeal heading into Camp Randall, and it's prime time. It's going to be jumping around and crazy and and all all the college – town revelry you would expect it, first of all do we know the extent of, of Heinrich's uh, injury is he going to be around for Saturday and if not we go we have to go Jeff Sims right it's, it sounds like it's uh, just kind of depends on where we're going I know rule said Harburg has an ankle issue Sims is healthy he said Chubo's a little or Chuba. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Sometimes. I've heard I've heard of both. Um, that he was a little more sore after the game. So I think that's just kind of, you know, they're evaluating all options. What do you know that, what? Have you been you know to what? Wisconsin? I have not. I've I made a pledge to myself long ago that I will not make that trip until we have a team that can beat them because I'm not gonna go up there and put up with that asshole behavior to see us get you know taken behind the woodshed but here's the so thing, all we have are our yes sir no you go ahead you go ahead i was just saying He's all we have is like anecdotal evidence about the <laughs> i think there's a lag or something that like i try talk because you're quiet but it's because you froze and anyway um i said all we have is All right, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to point. All we have is like anecdotal evidence about the atmosphere there in uh, Wisconsin. I know it's going to be electric. I know that they're desperate for their uh, football team to, to get a victory. Without getting to the prediction yet, what can Nebraska do to come out of uh, Camp Randall with a, with a win? Don't turn the football over. It it's should that be that simple, right? It, it is that simple. Run the football. Take your shots in the passing game where you can. Look to steal a possession. Generate some turnovers. Play a penalty-free game. Just don't turn the football over yourself. Don't give them any more help than, you know, they don't they, they don't need it, you know. No. Play clean football. That's all this thing comes down to. Last year, 
if we had we played uh, a little bit cleaner on some of our issues, you know, not so much in turnovers in that game, but, you know, play calling, situational football, you know, we beat Wisconsin. I mean, if we would have beat Wisconsin, then beat Iowa, and we finished year five and seven last year, we'd really been going like, well, fuck. Like, if we could have gotten Minnesota, we would have gone to a bowl, you know, right. something like that. But like right now, nothing that they do is overly complicated. This plays really well into what we do defensively. Um, I know that Tony White's going to have a good game plan. I hope that we get a little bit more aggressive than we have been against Michigan State and Maryland. And Rule even pointed that out. And I think I mentioned last week that I thought Tony White called the defense a little conservatively. What Rule said was, you know, we're at our best when Tony's dialing up zero uh zero blitzes you know cover zero and you know a lot of blitzes getting after their quarterback and i think in a game where um you know it's not the traditional wisconsin you know line up in the eye and run it down your throat like they have been but this is not a good offense and i think that we need to make our presence felt defensively and i think we need to dominate this game and leave no pretense out there about um who was in control of it so I think that if we can just control the line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the ball, and I think that if we can really blanket their receivers in coverage, which I don't think that they're having that much success with their transition to more of an air raid offense, this is the year to get it done. Now, what I said earlier, offensively, I think that you'll see us maybe get a little bit more creative in how we opt to move the football, especially, you know, maybe a little more horizontal movement to displace defenders, get them moving with a sense of misdirection to open up the run game, take your shots in the passing game. I think that Chubba Purdy gives us more of an opportunity if he were to start with quick game, you know, throwing slants, stuff over the middle. Um, but, yeah, just play clean football, you know. Got to win the field position battle. You know, that was one of the things that we got our ass kicked the past two weeks in that field position battle. You know, we're starting on our own fucking 10, and other teams are starting on their own 40. So take care of the football, have good field position, win that battle, convert in short yards, play smart situational football. That's all this comes down to. You know, tune out the noise, jump around. Yeah, it's fucking loud. But you know what? It stops. It stops by the time you get back on the field. Exactly. And, and get into the huddle. So so that being said, Nebraska 17, Wisconsin 7. I definitely made a mistake last week when I said something on uh, the five heart, my prediction would be like Nebraska 31 and Maryland 10 or 13 or something like that. Everybody in the, the chatter fields, if you will, were saying this, this team's going to, Score 31 points. I was like, anything's possible. 17, 17 to 7. I like it. No, what a way to to get him to the Thanksgiving holiday with a little bit of humble pie. Yep. And then you know what it you know what comes after that? A one game roll of the dice. Where Nebraska wins three to two on Black Friday. <laughs> Fuck yeah. And you know what? We would take it, celebrate it. And run to the postseason for the first time since the Obama administration. And Thank I would you. get a personalized Nebraska license plate that just says th- the number three, the word two, or th- j- yeah, three, two, dash. Two. 
I, I would say uh, three, the written out, spelled out, uh, the word dash two. Three dash <laughs> two. Oh, mm. I would tr- I would troll the ever living shit out of Iowa fans uh, forever. It'd be glorious. Maybe someday. You know, Maybe. I would also love for us to beat them like uh, the old Oklahoma joke from 2009. What time is it in Norman? 10 to three. I would love for a score like that. Like, what time is it in Iowa City? 10 to seven. 10 to 2. 10 to 5. Oh, God. Uh, so, no, 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 no. What would be better than 3 to 2? 5 to 2. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Our defense could get that done. Yeah, they, they really could. Yeah. They were they were close. Uh, they, they have been close. They, they, like I, we, I've said it before. I say it almost, sadly, almost every game uh, on Twitter or X or whatever. I said, this defense deserves better. Uh, and and as we've also said here and elsewhere, this team will only go as far as the defense can carry them. But it's time for the offense to pull a little bit of their own weight. And like you said, keeping a clean sheet. You know the the penalties have have really come down. If we could just if we could clean up the turnovers, this is a damn good ball team. The one and, thing I want to say as well, the Heinrich Harburg experience. Sounds like it should be an East German pop album from the 1960s. East German would not, that would have been behind the Iron Curtain. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> I'm a history guy, Greg. Well, yeah, but that's Western Germany. West Berlin sounds more realistic. All right, all right, all right. The Heinrich Harburg experience sounds like a <laughs> nightclub in West Berlin. Thank you. Thank you, because as we all know, in 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 the Soviet Union, there was no music, there was no, no they joy. Just had like the weird, like weird sounding, you know, the sound of the kind of music I'm talking about. It's hard to describe. Oh, I know. Very echoey, loud. <laughs> all right, my friend. Um, excellent show. Thank you so much for uh, all, all your time and effort and, and expertise and wisdom, and for all of you who have uh, made it through either video or the audio version. We can tell you, because we saw it here, uh, the audio version is going to move a lot more smoothly. The video version will just freeze randomly. You'll still be able to hear us, but... Yeah, like this. We won't necessarily move, except for you can hear my... Anyway, uh, so <laughs> that's it for this episode of the Coronation uh, Overreaction. Next week, we'll be in better moods because we'll be bull eligible, and then we'll have a short week because it's Iowa hate week, and, uh, and we'll just... Uh, we'll be ready. So uh, for my good friend and my broadcast buddy, Mr. Hoshreuter, I'm Greg Mahachko. This is Coronation's Overreaction, and we remind you to go Big Red and win the damn game.